You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And boom! Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, live right now, right now, as you hear my voice on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, where we do it all live and send it out to you, our humble listeners of the Pride of Detroit PODcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, same as Apple Podcasts, I guess, iHeartRadio. Okay, I, I got we got a review saying this this intro has gotten too long. So we're gonna get to everyone very quickly. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Hi, buddy. How's it going, fellas? Uh, we have we have officially entered the off off season where there's nothing huge happening. But man, I'm still I'm still in the afterglow of the draft. So I'm excited. We're we're still going to talk say some that? some draft class. How can you say that? We've got the schedule coming out this week. Even though we already know who's all who were who all the Lions are playing, but it's a matter of when they're playing them, Jeremy. That's yes. very important. Yes. Um, and we got rookie minicamp. Aren't you excited, for rookie minicamp? Well, and we'll, we'll we'll dabble on both those topics today. We got but, those, but yeah, like in general, like we've maybe that's why I'm so excited too. Is like we've we've gotten over the hurdle of the NFL draft, and now it's kind of smooth sailing until the until the uh, the season. Smooth sailing until we start until we start mocking the 2023 NFL draft. Jeremy's not happy I said that. How dare you? Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD, the third man. Ryan, welcome to offseason. Have you acquired the Malik Willis Houston Oilers jersey yet? Not yet. Not yet. But uh, I, I will say that Jeremy might be actually in favor of mocking 2023 mock drafts. Huh? Mock, uh, mocking uh, them? Huh? Uh, okay, I'll love it. It's you know, the offseason, boys. I'm, it's I'm, in, I'm in a good enough mood. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna let that one slide. Listen, we're all we're all counting down the days of the list cast here. We've got to keep these embers glowing until we hit list cast territory. Uh, plenty to talk about though on this show. We're gonna be revisiting the rookie class here real quick. Uh, I want to play a little bit of uh, some uh, what, what am I saying? Predictions, predictions for where some of the rookies are going to land. It's our chance to let Jeremy revisit the class. He's not done talking about them. Uh, We are going to tackle a question of optimism about the Lions. Plenty of people have decided the Lions are no longer the whipping boy. Plenty to talk about there, including questions coming up here as far as are the Lions going to stick with Jared Goff as the quarterback? Plenty of uh, looking ahead to the 2022 regular season. And then, yes, as we mentioned, we will close out the show talking about Rookie, what we're going to expect out of rookie minicamp, it's going to be happening next weekend, the weekend of the of the 12th, I believe, if I'm counting my days right, or 13th, excuse me. And we'll, we're getting the uh, NFL 
schedule release on Thursday night, which is the 12th. So we'll, we're going to talk about what we're looking forward in that. So we've got a very la- large, overbloated show, like an overstuffed hamburger. So we're going to start right away going into the rookie class. Uh, last year was a bit of a surprise, and it was a bit of a pleasant surprise. Lions last year in 2021, the entire rookie class, everyone that they drafted, Jeremy, from in 2021 made the roster. Yep. So we're going to be looking at this here. We're going to going down all these guys, but I think that's important to note that all the guys last year made the roster. I don't know if that happens again this year, but they seem to be very high on a lot of guys, even down to James Houston and Chase Lucas that they drafted. Some of the contracts are out. Uh, Chase Lucas, obviously 3.7 million over four years, not guaranteed obviously, but still plenty of money to be handed out. Everyone gets a big contract if you are drafted as a rookie and yeah. Yeah, I mean, when when you look at the the draft class, um, it looks it looks promising top to bottom, but you want to you want to I guess get to a point in your roster where seventh round picks aren't making your team. Like, and and I, I think we're we're not quite there yet, where I can say definitively Chase Lucas is not going to make this team. Especially but even the cornerback room is pretty shallow to begin with, right? Um, but I think we're we're definitely in a in a place where we can't say for sure that he's going to make the team and, and there probably isn't going to be three or four UDFAs that, that not only make the team, but start or play like the Lions roster is in a better place. And I think once we kind of go player by player, we'll see the expectations for the bottom of this draft class are going to be lower and lower and lower. And that's kind of a good thing because that means the Lions roster is in a better spot. Yeah. How dare you even suggest that Chase Lucas might not make the roster considering he is a veteran in that defensive backs room. <laughs> it's true. Do we, do we want to start from the bottom up and talk? Chase Lucas? No, I want to, I want to go from the top to down. <laughs> I, I I'm not going to do this in first bite order. I would rather much rather, I would much rather go from the top down. So I know there's going to be some no does to start us off here, but I feel like, I feel like we, we should, we should like trickle down like a good tequila sunrise. So um, yes. Or, or Reaganomics, I guess. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson. So I, here, here's the question I'm going to have for all you guys. Obviously, this is going to apply for everyone. There's going to be some no-does here, so we can go a little rapid. Starter rotation, will they be a starter in year one? I'm not saying week one, but I'm saying end of the year. Do you expect these guys to be a starter? Do you expect them to be a rotational player? Do you expect them to be just there on the roster for depth? Or do you expect them to be cut at any point? So we'll start at the top, Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson's a week one starter. Week one starter. No question about it. Um, he's going to be a, a, a huge player on this team. He's, he's going to be the face of the defense. He might even be a cap. He might even be a week one captain, if we're being honest. Um, that's how important of a player he is. I, I think the question with him is, is just how much we can expect out of production, whether he's going to be a double-digit sack guy right out of, the, out of the bin or not. But there's no question to me. He's, he's your starter right out the gate. And I think to add to that, you know, with the questions that surround Romeo Aquara and whether or not how ready he'll be come week one. I mean, there's almost like this pressure for Aiden Hutchinson to be ready right out of the box because you have him, sure. Charles Harris. And, and I think that goes to your point, Jeremy, where you're talking about you're hoping that at, at, at a certain point, like some of these guys that are um, that we'll get to a little bit later. You know, Charles Harris is a rotational guy in, in, in an ideal world, right? Like Romeo Aquara is starting, Aiden Hutchinson is starting, Charles Harris is just mixing in. And 
I mean, that's a great player to just kind of be mixing in, right? So, um, yeah, Aiden Hutchinson, I, I think that the expectation should be week one starter. I think the expectation should be um, less about his sack numbers and more about his pressure numbers and his, sure. and his run defense. Yeah, I think a lot of teams will be planning for Aiden Hutchinson out of the gate just because there's been no one else to really, like, who, who else do you really, like, if you're another team planning for the Lions, I don't know if there's another edge rusher on the roster where, like, yeah, that guy's a problem. We got to really beware about that problem. We got to really plan for him. There's been nobody the Lions have really had. And I'm not saying Aiden Hutchinson is that guy, but he has the potential to be that guy at probably more than, say, Charles Harris or one of the Oquaras or even the defensive tackles at this point. Like, yeah. I, I think, I, I think Brad Holmes paid Romeo Aquara to be that kind of guy though. Like I right. think that they had the expectation that Romeo could be that player, you know, hopefully he's healthy enough, but I, yeah, I think he's just been, Romeo he's been, should be, yeah, he should be a guy that teams should have to game plan for. And I think they will on one side. It's just, it's, he's just been inconsistent in my eyes. So like he's had a couple of good years, but I still remember when they paid, when they paid him fairly well, like he had a, you know, pretty, pretty down year. It's just kind of, getting him consistent. We'll see on that. Um, All right. Really really quick before we move on, are you guys buying, like he's, he's currently the favorite to be rookie of the year. Defensive rookie of the year. I should say defensive rookie of the year. He's the favorite. Are are you buying that? Is that, is that too high of expectations? So, I mean, I'm trying to think he'd be going up against, obviously we got Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, um, sauce, the cornerbacks. Yeah. I was going to say sauce Gardner is probably leading that list in my mind right now. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know about Derek Stingley if he'll make that list, but um, I mean, the, the tricky part is stats, right? Like stats are what drives who wins those awards. So with cornerbacks, they have to get high in interceptions. It's not very common for rookie cornerbacks, especially with line- how they have to develop into right. I'm a pro corner. <clears throat> yeah. Linebackers will rack up stats because they, they get a bunch of tackles. So, you know, Devin Lloyd probably in that conversation, and then with edge rushers, it's, it's, it's all going to be about sacks. And, and I'm with Ryan, like when you're, when you're, when we're uh, analyzing how good of a season Aiden Hutchinson have, is having, we should be talk, talking about pressures and, and, and run defense too. Like um, that's, that's a big reason why he was drafted is so that he can kind of set the edge there and, and stop the run. Um, but in order to win rookie of the year, I, th- I think he's going to probably have to push towards 10 sacks in a season. And I'm not saying he can't, but I don't think expectation should be there. Yeah. I, and just to cap this off, like the reason why Micah Parsons was rookie of the year last year is because he had 13 sacks. Right. Like, right. That, yeah. that number just popped off the page and, and that's what won him the award. So if Aiden Hutchinson can do that. Yeah. But I kind of feel like Kayvon Thibodeau might have a clearer path to getting sacks than the Aiden Hutchinson. So I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd buy that bet. It's, it is a, it's a very sneaky because like none of the, none of the defensive talent has really st- stood out and like, we were talking about probably the best defensive athlete in this class being Kyle being a safety before the draft actually happened. So, I mean, I could see sauce Gardner maybe being in that. If everything that people say about sauce is correct, maybe Trayvon Walker in the mix. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying Aiden Hutchinson as, as favorite for rookie of the year, just because I don't think there's any clear edge to any of these guys right now. So that's fair. Yeah. Jamison Williams starter rotation depth or cut. Now, this one's interesting because, obviously, we're going to have to see how the ACL turns out. I know he wants to be going by training camp, but I think there's also pressure on the Lions to just not rush him into this either. I know he's eager. He's a rookie. He wants to play. He definitely wants to play, especially given how the draft went for him, people talking about him 
looking pissed on draft night, but I'm sure a lot of that's because of being the fourth uh, wide receiver off the board, but you don't, you don't, the lions don't need to rush him onto the field. Right. So, I mean, I expect him to be a starter just because at everything we said last week, he's a blue chip player. The lions haven't had a blue chip wide receiver and they don't have a blue chip wide receiver without JMO. Like they like head, head and shoulders above most people in that room when he's healthy. It's just a matter of how healthy is he going to be and how much, how quickly is he going to rush back to the field and how much do you really want him to be playing in year one coming off of an ACL injury? Yeah. The Lions are, they're a team that they, and they've said this multiple times, they want to do what's best by the player. That's, you know, that big speech that uh, Aaron Glenn gave to, to some draft prospect that, that was blurred out was we are a player first organization. We, we put the players needs first. So yeah, I do think they're, they're probably going to try to take their time with him. But at the same time, you look at the kind of timeline for an ACL injury suffered in January, it's usually six to eight weeks. And so that's going to put him like, that's not necessarily even rushing it. If he's ready, I don't, I don't like, I don't know if the lines are going to be like, well, we just want to be absolute. Like once you're ready, you're ready. Yeah. And the lines are going to want him out on the field. And so they aren't going to rush it. There, there's no reason to rush it, but I, I think there's a chance he's ready by week one. And there, there's a difference between being fully heal, healed and being football ready. So maybe, maybe he's not legitimately ready to, to be in football shape by week one, but in terms of the timeline, I don't think it's unrealistic or considered rushing it for him to potentially be ready by week one. And, and I, I, I think they're going to want him out there to, to see what he's got and, and to get his, get him, you know, acclimated to the NFL, because listen, like this team is really going to want to seriously compete in 2023. And I think they're wanting to get their rookies as much experience as they possibly can. So I think he's a starter, probably not a week one starter, but I don't think he's going to start the season on pup because that would mean he, he misses the first six weeks. I don't think they're prepared to, to sit him an extra month and a half. Yeah. And, and when you look at offensive rookie of the years, I'm sure this might be surprising to you guys, but he is the sixth longest odds in terms of wide receivers. So like it goes, hmm. Kenny Pickett is the favorite. Then it's Drake London, Traylon Burks, Christian Watson. Wow. Well, you got Aaron Rodgers thrown to you. Sure. You got Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Sky Moore. He has the same odds as Kenneth Walker the third to win offensive rookie of the year. And so that is offensive. <laughs> I knew. But no, but I, I mean I, I get it though, right? It, it it's it'll it's be interesting. The numbers because... argument, right? It's in the numbers argument because in yeah. Seattle, Kenneth Walker will get opportunities to run the ball and right. rack up numbers and touchdowns and all of those things. J Mo. Obviously, there's that built-in concern, right? Like you just talked about the beginning of the season. Maybe, maybe he's not quite ready week one. Maybe he's back week two or week three. You know, whatever it may be. But you know, I, I certainly hope that he's he's back and he's ready. And I, I think that he's undoubtedly a starter as soon as he's football ready. I I I'd, I'd see if if I'm if I'm correcting the odds to what I expect in the season. Expect those odds to be more in line with say Drake London, who's kind of you're kind of, Drake London's going into the same quarterback situation maybe a little worse than uh, than what J-Mo is going into in Detroit. Like I, Falcons are just demonstrably a worse football team than the Lions. Yeah, they don't have the offensive line to really set that for the quarterback, for a guy like London to make the route down the field. He's obviously probably their top receiving option going into this year, but... How dare you? What? <laughs> Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. <laughs> I, deep, for deeper threats, for deeper threats than Kyle Pitts. 
I, I know, I know, I know. Can we talk right. a little bit like production though? What what you expect out of Jameson Williams once he's on the field? Because Ryan, I know you're a big proponent of like the top wide receivers in the NFL these days can hit the ground running as a rookie. Do you think that that's true of JMO too? I but see, I think the way that JMO can be best utilized is it is in, like well, honestly, like in doses, right? Like so, yeah. I mean, like JMO truly might be a guy who okay, maybe he gets seven or eight targets in one game, and then maybe another game he only gets like three. But you know, like I, I think w- with all of the receiving options that the Lions have, like it wouldn't surprise me if JMO, if he's ready from week one, if he goes out and he catches maybe. 55. Now we have seen that Goff does sometimes zero in on guys like Amon Ross St. Brown's got 900 yards last year in a season where that only really started to turn on in like what the last seven, eight games, Jeremy for, for Amon Ra, like he was quietly picking up some garbage time, like receptions, but it wasn't until those last weeks where he started going off. So, I mean, I'm not going to say a thousand yards, but I mean, Amon Rob with like half a season to him racked in playing in slot or wherever. And again, a lot of that's of Jared Goff just kind of utilizing him very, very heavily. But if, if, you know, JMO's used the same way by Jared Goff, then you have some games that are very loaded. There's just, there's going to also be a period where they have to just like develop some chemistry because I don't know if Jared Goff has ever thrown to someone that fast. Right. And like at, we, we did see it took a while for guys like St. Brown and some of the other options to get acclimated with with Jared Goff as well. All right. Um, Josh Pascal. Now, this is a really interesting one, I feel like. Um, my mind says rotation right now, but we're starting to get a pretty loaded rotation, Jeremy, for the edge. Um, just even talking about the guys who are there in the room right now between the Aquaras. Hutchinson probably as a starter, Harris, we've kind of already set his rotational. So where do you see them using Pascal? Rotational yeah. depth starter? Def, I mean, definitely heavy rotation um, potential. I mean, he could potentially start by the end of the season. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, a lot has to do with the health of, of the unit, right? Uh, Romeo Aquara's health is, is kind of paramount to, to answering this question. Um, but yeah, I, Listen, he's drafted him in the second round for a reason. He's going to be an integral part of this defense, and he also brings interior uh, an interior presence. So that means he, he has three down potential. Um, it's just I, I think at first they're they're going to kind of ease him in with with some sub package, with some rotational things, and then uh, and then I think I wouldn't like I said I wouldn't by by the end of the season if he's a full time starter I'm not surprised. Yeah, and I think what you brought up. Um, at the end there, Jeremy is most important, right? Is like the ability to kick inside and and do other things like that, right? Like, so, I mean, if he's outperforming somebody like Michael Brockers, okay, well then all of a sudden Josh Pascal is your starter. Uh, But I I truly think the expectation should be, as you mentioned, heavy rotational player. I I think maybe his very, like week one, week two role might not be that much on the edge at all. It might just be, Third, we're in a third and long defensively. Throw you on the inside, you're going to be a situational pass rusher from the inside. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kirby Joseph, safety, obviously a very interesting room to look at here. Um, once again, one of those rooms where there's not a lot of depth, Jeremy, so it might end, you see him end up playing a lot more. But we're also deep enough on the guys now where it's like I, I'm looking at some of the shortcomings of Kirby Joseph. I can't. I want to say rotation, but I feel like 
just given the lack of depth at safety, the Lions might play him pretty heavily sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I've somehow already gotten tagged as the guy who, who doesn't like Kirby Joseph, which, which isn't true. Um, but I just think this is a guy who one year of experience at, as a starter in college is going to take some time. And so that means I don't think he's going to get a lot of playing time right off the bat. I think, I think Deshaun Elliott is probably the starter alongside Tracy Walker in week one. And maybe even for the first half of the season and beyond, um, will Harris, they like, like, I know none of us want to see Will Harris out there. I know we all hate Will Harris, but the lines don't feel that way. And so I think, I think Kirby Joseph probably enters the season as safety four on the depth chart. And listen, he, he, he might get sub packages. The lines are going to use three safety sets a lot. And, and I think that's an opportunity for Deshaun Elliott to get on the field, but I'm sorry, Kirby Joseph to get on the field. But right now I just feel like his skill set is fairly limited. He's a, he's a great athlete. He's a great coverage guy. Who's going to be a a guy that can, you know, play deep middle if, if you need to cover two, if you want to, and let Tracy Walker, run around and will Harris run around and do all the things that they can do. Cause they're both versatile options. I just don't think Kirby Joseph is that guy yet. So they're, they're going to kind of take him along slowly and saying right now, we just want you to be in deep coverage. That's the only thing we want you to do in year one. We'll, we'll develop the other stuff as we go along, but that's, that's what you're good at now. That's where you're most useful for us. Learn and get that down pat, and then we'll move on from there. So I think it's, it's going to be a pretty limited role for Kirby Joseph in, in year one. And um, I hope people get used to that and don't don't view it necessarily as a negative, right? Um, if Atu Melifanu takes time, takes time is a to get guy used that, to, yeah, yeah. If Atu Melifanu is a guy that, that Ryan compared him to, and I think he's going to take a, a, a similar career arc in year one. Um, you know, fingers crossed that they they don't suffer as many injuries at safety as they did at corner last year. But I, I think that's that it should be a long term plan with him, and so that means maybe lowering your expectations for year one. And and I think that's the thing with Kirby Joseph too, Jeremy, is that he does one thing really good. Right. And yeah. the one thing that he does really good is cover the middle of the field and use his range and instincts to cover that middle part of the field. So yeah. I, I think because his one thing that he's good at is so very situational that, like you said, he's going to play a very situational role. And if Deshaun Elliott can manage to stay healthy, I, I really don't know how much of the field Kirby Joseph sees because if it's him and Tracy Walker, that, that feels like a um, that feels like a good tandem. All right, we got to roll here pretty quick on these then. So uh, James Mitchell, I guess the only question for me right now is tight end two or tight end three. Right, that's now. a good question. I, no, I I mean he not as not as specialized to blocking as say Brock Wright. I mean he's going to be competing more with like say maybe like with TJ as far as receiving. So I don't know where to put him on the depth chart here, Jeremy. I, I think it's tight end two by the end of the year, but I might be I, a little optimistic there. I, I'm more optimistic than you. I, I think he's more well-rounded as a player than, than some people give him credit for. They look at the kind of the gaudy receiving stats. I think he's not bad as a blocker. There's there's still obviously a lot to learn. And and listen, tight end is a position that that has a high learning curve. Like it's we we all had really high expectations for TJ Hawkinson and his rookie season wasn't that great. Um so it's gonna be a learning curve for him and you know, also coming off an ACL, right? Sounds like he's just about ready. I don't think he misses any time in training camp over it, but um the, again, it's gonna take time to get in football shape there so i don't know i i think i'm i'm not a huge brock Wright guy i think i mean he he was essentially a rookie last year too so um it's not like he has a fully polished game i know the lines do like him a little bit though so i think brock Wright might might enter the season as tight end too but i i honestly think mitchell might take it by the mid-season like i i think he's that promising i think the lines got a steal there 
I, I think he's eventually going to be tight end too, and, and it might be earlier than later this year. Yeah, and, and I don't want to earn the same moniker that you have, Jeremy, as being the Kirby Joseph hater, so don't take this, people, as a down or a slight towards Kirby Joseph. This is more uh, uh, a celebration of James Mitchell. I think that he's tight end. If his knee is healthy, he's tight end two right out of the box. And on top of that, like I think of any pick, Kirby Joseph and beyond, James Mitchell is going to be by far and away the best player that the Lions got. Malcolm Rodriguez. We've got, uh, once again, light room here. Jeremy, starter, rotation. He, I mean, that? he's got he's to be part of the rotation. I know I know there's some yeah. people really, really high on Malcolm Rodriguez, and I probably wasn't fair enough when we, we had our show last week about him. Like, there, there are some really intriguing qualities about him, but he's going he's gonna to be an awesome special teamer in year one, and that's about it. Because, I mean, I, I know people don't like Alex Anzalone, but Alex Anzalone and Derek Barton are your two starters, almost for sure. Chris Board is probably going to get some playing time as well. But remember, this team is probably only going to be playing two linebackers most of the time, which means Malcolm Rodriguez is at least behind Anzalone, Barnes, Board, probably Sean Dion Hamilton too. So he's, he's the linebacker five. I don't think he gets many, if any, defensive snaps in year one. We can go on. Chris seems like he's in a hurry. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just checking the time here. Just like, what, what do you what do you think, Brian? Where where are we start a rotation depth? I I think he's purely a depth piece, um, especially by the end of the season. Like I, I un, unless injuries happen to this core, I I don't see a way in which he gets on the field. And I think that a lot of people are 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 kind of sipping the Kool Aid on Malcolm Rodriguez. And it's not a slight to the guy. It's just what is the one thing that he does really well that's going to get him on the football field in year one like okay um he's a what he's a good tackler um okay well i mean put chris board out there like that guy is is clearly a really good tackler and like an nfl linebacker and he's done it before um i mean even like like think like i think that there are very clearly four guys ahead of him like there's anzalone there's barnes there's board and I mean, even Jared Davis at this point, like Malcolm Rodriguez has to come out and have a good camp. No, but like, I think that this coaching staff is a lot higher on their, on, on Jared Davis than, than maybe some other people are because of the way Dan Campbell talked about him before he, he left Detroit. So I, I'm just saying like, even situationally though, like Jared Davis, if you want to use him as a pass rushing linebacker, sure. he has that over Malcolm Rodriguez. Like what he is does. the one thing that Malcolm Rodriguez does that like all of a sudden moves him up the depth chart? And and maybe he will show that thing in training camp. I think it's and, instincts. I think I think it's instincts. He's he's really okay. good. He's a cerebral player. And so maybe I mean, what what was our biggest complaint about Jared Davis? Right, is like the between the ears stuff. So I, I think sure. that that might give him a, a leg up. But it it'll like like you said, he he's small. He's undersized. I I just I don't see him starting. I don't see him playing. I'm I'm with you in the same camp there. All right, now we get down to the interesting parts. <laughs> um, I don't even know where, where the Lions even play James Houston to this point. Uh, I mean, he's got more of the tape for edge, but I don't know if he fits in an edge, Jeremy. So I guess I think it's depth regardless if he even makes the roster, but I, I guess depth at rotation, I mean, at edge or depth at linebacker. I don't know. And that's one of the, I know we're going to talk about it next or in a couple segments here, but that's one of the things I'm eager to find out at, at rookie mini camp. And it's one of the things that, you know, we got our first bite coming up on, on James Houston. I'm just, I'm really eager to talk about this guy because the tape is just so much fun. His athleticism is so much fun. 
Um, everything about him is, is very fun. And I feel like the lines are going to find a spot to put him on the roster at this point. And whether it's an edge, whether it's linebacker, maybe it's, it's a little bit of both. You know, we, we talk about safeties. What about a edge backer? I don't know. Edge. Backer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. His versatility is going to help him make the team. He's a guy that's already said he wants to be a four, te- four phase special teamers. So I think he's going to win that job at least. Um, I, I think there's an outside chance they, they find a, a, a sub package for him too, just because he's so intriguing as an athlete, as a pass rusher, there's, there's a small, I think there's a small chance he gets on the, on the field on defense, but I think he's almost certainly just a special teamer this year. So like he would take Jared Davis's role is what yeah. I mean. Like, yes, if, if, if right, like with that, more that... edge rushing potential. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's one of those spots, like when you're cutting down to 53 and when the lions roster is getting in a better place, like you don't have room for both those guys anymore. It's like you have right. to choose one of those guys and right. the guy that you might choose will be James Houston because he has the you know ability to play the edge and he can also do linebacker and things like that. So uh, I think he's a guy who I, – I, I really do think he makes the roster for sure. Chase Lucas, I, I don't know if we can go a second year with everyone like making the roster, but Jeremy, I'm looking, I'm looking at the room here for cornerbacks. And it's hard for me to say that he won't even be on just because of depth, because what do we got here? Like Mike Hughes, Jeff Okuda, um, Jerry Jacobs, AJ Parker, Amani, Amani, Bobby Price. Listen, there's there's a lot, but I, I mean, they, they spent the draft on this guy and it's hard for me to look and say, yeah, they're going to make, he's going to make it over AJ Parker to to definitively say that. I don't have a spot for him right now. And I know, I know Eric's really high in him. Eric, Eric thinks he might even compete for a nickel spot. And, and to be fair, that nickel spot is wide open. Um, AJ Parker, I don't think has it locked down. Uh, Mike Hughes has potential there. And we, we talked about Will Harris has potential there. Chase Lucas has experience. We, we just talked about um, on, on our first bite podcast. He has some experience at nickel and, and maybe that's where he fits best. But I just, I, I feel like the Lions just have too much youth and talent right now that they need to figure out what they have in, in, in Jeff Okuda, in Fatou Melifanu, in, in Jerry Jacobs, if he's back from his injury. That's another thing. Maybe maybe he originally makes the roster if, if Jerry Jacobs enters the season on PUP because he you know he has a torn ACL. I just I don't really see a, a, a good role for him because a lot of these guys are good on special teams too. So even if Chase Lucas brings it on special teams, uh, he's got a ton of competition there too. So I, I think he probably makes it to the, the practice squad and spends most of the season there, but – Listen, there's there's also just so much unknown with this cornerback position that I'm not counting it out that he makes a run at the at the nickel position. Yeah, I I, I think that this was Brad Holmes skirting the whole like priority UDFA guy and, yeah. and taking a guy that they they think can make the roster. So, um, He's I really want to see. I know it almost feels want, like he has more experience than half the guys on the roster, which is it, ridiculous to say. Right. It, but it, it, it's so it's just strange because I think the one thing that we got from our conversation with Hode, right, was that he matured so much from his, you know, freshman year all the way to, to when he was finally done as that COVID super senior, as Hode called him, which was just wild to think about. But like, yeah, I'm I, I'm intrigued by the guy and he needs to have a really he needs to have like a, a few like wow moments in training camp, I think, for him to secure a roster spot. Last thing, do you think any UDFAs are going to make the roster? Now they've got, no. they don't have, uh, <laughs> just that quick. 
they're getting better. Like, I yeah. think the Lions roster is getting better. Like, maybe there's, like, one or two guys, I think, truthfully, who, yeah. like, sneak their way onto this roster. It's not going to be like last year where no. it, it seemed – I mean, how – you're I, this is putting you on the spot, Jeremy, but do you I remember think, how, how many UDFAs three. made the roster? I think okay. three made the initial roster, and obviously Jacobs they, they had and more than – Parker. Um, and maybe Brock, right? I don't know. But e- yeah. either way, I, I, th- I think I'm with you, although I – Listen, when you look at UDFAs and you try to project who's going to make the roster, you look at two things. You look at your depth chart and you look at the guaranteed money that they gave these guys. And so looking at that, Obina as a out of TCU, the offensive tackle got 170,000 guaranteed. The Lions don't have a lot of trustable depth at, on the offensive tackle, at offensive tackle or guard. They didn't add anybody. They didn't they literally did not add a soul. Um Yeah, and speaking of that there Kevin James, Michigan State guard, got 150,000. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Kevin Jarvis, excuse me. Yep. Um, yeah, like I'm just looking at a lot of these positions. They're offensive positions. They signed three wide receivers, two tight ends, uh, $100,000 guaranteed to a running back out of San Diego State, Greg Bell. But these are all positions that are pretty, pretty competitive to begin with. Yeah. The, the only other one I would circle is Derek Deese because I don't think the Lions tight end room is very good. Um, he also got a hundred thousand out of could San Could you Jose see State. a corner? Could you see a corner making it no. again? No. no. Okay. Mm-mm. Too too many people there, man. Too many. Too many people. cooks. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. About you, Ryan? You see any UDFAs? Any love for the underdogs or no? No. Good. <laughs> I hear too many guys this time of year hype up the UDFAs. Uh, you know, this is this is such an old guy radio thing. They're like, oh, the UDFAs, they want it more than the first than the first rounders. And it's like, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. They're just more talented, period. Uh, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we have plenty to talk about. Uh Jeremy's way, speaking of old men, Jeremy's wagging his fist at some of the optimism going around for the Detroit Lions. I'm scared, Chris. You're scared because you're getting noticed. You're scared, you're doing Andrew. hipster. You're doing yes. hipster. We'll, we'll discuss Hipster Break when we come back from the Pride of Detroit POV cast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— 
But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Pride to Detroit POD cast. Uh, moving on from the roster now, we're going to turn to a more uh, sky view topic because this is the offseason. We're going to have plenty to just sit here and debate with each other for. And I think this is natural for this time of year. It is completely natural for this time of year because you see it all over the place. Optimism is back for the Detroit Lions. This happens for every team after the draft, unless you are convinced your team did not draft very well. However, we are here to talk about the Detroit Lions. Our concern is Detroit Lions optimism. And every time the national media starts talking about the Lions doing well, Jeremy starts like shaking in his boots, just completely just loses his cool, loses whatever analysis he has and just runs for the hills realizing finally coming to terms with that he has a uh, a jersey curse as well so uh <laughs> let's let's set let's set the stage jeremy so here this is this is what's got you spooked this year so first off the big quote we saw from the from national outlets of an unnamed nfl exec saying the lions are doing their best drafting in a long time now that's not in my eyes very outrageous to say when you're comparing it to martin mayhew Matt Millen and Bob Quinn, right? That's not a high sure. bar to clear, but still best drafting in a long time. And then we've got Yahoo Sports, Eric Ed Holmes. I think, what was the grade he gave the Lions? I just I think it was a B plus. It was a B plus for their draft. And he kind of uh, let it off by saying like, I mean, he, he ended it by saying like, you're allowed to be excited about the future of the Detroit Lions. And like, this is a time to buy in. And Mina Kimes, who has been from ESPN, who's been cheering for the Dan Campbell era for about a, a cup for a year now, basically the whole time it's been happening, talking on a pro football focus pot uh, with Austin Gale about the Lions' clear vision. And only team who lost, I think one of the things she hit on is like they're the only the Lions were the only team who lost a lot of games last year, but they have a successfully built culture. And I know that's always something that sticks in your craw. We always talk about culture as this thing that comes from winning more than anything. I definitely think they have an identity, though, and they definitely right. have a vision that they want to bring in. Uh, it's just a matter of, is the optimism really here? Are we ready to start just banging the drums and getting, getting all juiced up and get the Kool-Aid uh, Twitch emotes streaming in? <laughs> but uh, you're right. This, this all makes me uncomfortable. And maybe it's because I'm a wet blanket. Maybe it's because I'm a negative Nancy. But I think the reason for me is I don't want to make myself emotionally vulnerable. 
you don't want to be hurt. You just don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be hurt because listen, we we've seen national optimism before. We've seen, you know, football outsiders two years in a row said the Lions were their favorites to win the NFC North. 2019 and 2020, not that long ago. The Lions were their favorite to the win win the NFC North and it crashed and burned. But it, I, I can't I can't help but ignore the fact that all of this feels different because not only are we getting more varied points of view and more people saying, I really like what the Lions are doing. Everything they're doing is starting to make sense. We, you can clearly see their, their vision. Even internally, Lions fans, you're right. This is a time of year when you, you won't find more optimism surrounding Detroit. But I looked at the draft grades that Lions fans in our own poll gave this class compared to other classes. 75% gave this class an A. I looked in the past, I don't think there was one above 50 in the past seven years. People are really feeling it. And I think besides my just natural fear of good things happening, just waiting for the other shoe to drop, part of it is also me like, we have to pull back the reins a little bit. We have to realize this defense is still not going to be good next year. We still have to realize this is year two, and, and a lot of the improvements we're expecting are coming from players that we're just assuming are going to take the next step year next year, but that's necessary. that doesn't necessarily happen with everybody. So it, it's a fear of just, I don't want to be hurt. It's a fear of people getting too far ahead of the rebuild. I'm uncomfortable, Chris, and I don't know what to do about it. Well, <clears throat> Jeremy, you mentioned pulling back the reins a little bit. In between segments, we talked a little bit about Rich Strike. The Lions might be the eighty to one odd, right? They might we were talking about Rich Strike biting. Up- ho- yeah, we were talking about Rich Strike biting horses. Was Dan Campbell want the kneecaps? Yeah, yeah that 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 horse is a Dan Campbell horse, uh, true and through. <laughs> but you know, I, I get it, Jeremy. Like we we've been here, we've done this. But like I said, or, or like you said, that there's just this tangible thing that's in the air. That, like you said, you you go back and you look at the way that fans responded to, you know, drafts in in previous years. You look at the way that when, even if you were just there for Halloween and the Eagles game, the difference of of fan opinion and just like fan buy-in at that point to the end of the season was such a huge shift Yeah, that I, I, I said it, but like, I don't feel like I'd ever seen that much momentum and goodwill expended on a Lions team ever. Like, especially one like, that only had like at that point, like one win. Right. right. I like, mean, no, I, no wins by Halloween, but still like, even like it only took one, two wins and suddenly it's a one eighty. Like that Cardinals game, that Cardinals game was the game, right? right. They beat yep. a, a team that was at the top of the NFC, right. That was playing, potentially for the number one seed in the entire conference and the lions beat them. And like, again, I, like I said, there was just this tangible thing that was in the air and surrounding this team that they have then they, they built on that though. Right. Like through the draft, there was a little bit, don't you feel though? Like, don't you feel there was a little bit of reeling it in when it came to free agency though? There was for sure. Yeah. There, there was a little bit of like cautious, like, okay, like the, Brad Holmes isn't really doing anything. Right. So I, I, I'm fascinated by this because I feel like on one hand, 
that optimism is earned because it was good. I, I hate to use the word, but momentum coming out of the season it was only three. It was only a few wins, but still like you, you turned, you successfully turned around pretty much from being at the bottom. Right. And I, you know what, you know, what's at the heart of this too is most of all is like, these are just likable guys at the end of the day, like Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, the guys they draft there, even, even down to Jared Goff, there there's, there's something to root for in a lot of them. And that creates like, especially when we're talking about national perspective, they, they don't want to just keep banging on the lions. The national media, I think is the most positive it's been in a while because you start to get people like Mina Kimes is not the kind of person out there who's just going for the quick gotcha like, you know, using the Lions as a punchline. She's she wants to like root for an underdog. And the Lions provide a very likable underdog who are doing things. I, I, I hate to say differently, Jeremy, but we talked about how this this coaching staff is all former NFL player led. Yeah. Yeah. From Dan Campbell, who played with the Cowboys, to to uh Aaron to, Glenn. to Aaron Glenn. Uh, Antoine Randall, Mark, Mark Bruno, all these guys played under the shield. They are not Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute guys. They, they, they've played at the highest level for teams. They played for multiple years and they're getting their, their own and they're drafting a lot of guys like, or signing a lot of guys like Jamal Williams, who do very well in front of a camera. They're, the Lions are giving more access than ever and just promoting culture from within. Now, again, that culture derives on them eventually winning. But I think at the same time, the Lions have the benefit that most people understand that this is going to be a, a patient rebuild at the same time. So I think that optimism comes pre-tempered. I think Lions fans will get mad if we go into next year and immediately start losing games again because they were mad. Even though we had all the hope and optimism from last offseason, Lions fans quickly turned on the team when they started bombing out pretty quickly. Like we, we were having those conversations about I Dan Campbell was never going to get fired after one year, but there were plenty of fans who wanted him gone when they were still winless. Yeah. And, and listen, I, I can't, the, the one I'm, I'm notorious for not believing in momentum, but the one, one place where momentum does exist in my opinion is fan opinion of the team, because why, like you said, wildly in one direction when they're winless end of the season, wildly optimistic because they won three out of the last six games. But this this is wet blanket coming again. Sorry. <laughs> you want to look back at those six games. They got blown the F out in two of them. Yeah. And I think we talked about it at the time, Ryan. If that if that Packers game wasn't strategically placed there in the late at the end of the season, we'd be taught I think we would have been a lot more negative going into the season into the offseason because they got blown out by the Seahawks before that. 51 to 29 in an awful game and i think the further and further we get away from the actual games we kind of forget how that how that season actually ended like they went two and three down the stretch and, and let's, let's not forget lives. like the, that that packers game like we're not talking about all Aaron the Rodgers. Right. Yeah, all no right. second string greenback right Wait, and listen i've been guilty of it too we just say three and three jared goff was three and one in his last four games like but we we have to put that a little bit more into context so that we don't lose what exactly happened there. And so listen, they were a much better team at the end of the season than they were at the beginning. I'm not going to deny that, but acting like this was a team that was capable of playing 500 football at the end of the year. That's just not true. They were not a 500 football team by the end of that season. So I, I think 
where the optimism comes from, though, Jeremy, is with the pieces that they've added so far, are they that team now, though? Maybe. Maybe. I'm, they I'm might f- be, right? Yeah. It, well, just, I, it, it feels like it relies on a, lo- a lot of what-ifs. Like, what if Romeo Quar is healthy? What if Jamison Williams is healthy? What if Jeff Okuda is healthy? What if a bunch of these rookies last year take a, a year to – what if Levi takes a year two step? What if Jerry Jacobs and, like, the, there's so many – forces that need to be like at, at the at their best if, if if the if everything happens at an optimal level in terms of all the luck stuff which is you know injuries and and whatnot yeah maybe i i don't think this is a this is a playoff team but but maybe if everything goes right there there may be a like that third wild card team you're you're dealing also with a division that is kind of disintegrating outside of green sure. bay as well like the vikings are not going to be as good as they were last year the bears i don't know what the hell's going to happen to the bears lions i think some people expect the lions to finish above at least one of them um you missed one big if there jeremy and i think that's also a case for your wet blanket it's what if jared goff plays like those early years in los angeles yeah. where he took the team, where he was spearheading that team to a Super Bowl. Even though he wasn't the reason they went to the Super Bowl, he was still the quarterback of the team they went to the Super Bowl. Thus, we get to say Jared Goff led a team to a Super Bowl, which is just not really that true, but... He it's, had two it's Pro Bowl you, seasons. He had Pro Bowl seasons. worthy like, of Pro Bowls. Yeah, and, and like we've, we talked about it last week, Jeremy. I feel like there's no excuse for Jared Goff this year because here's the case. You've got a blue chip wide receiver. If Jameis, if Jamo's healthy, you've got guys, you know, he's comfortable with, with Amon Ross, St. Brown with Josh Reynolds. And we saw him doing great, great things near the end of the year with both of those receivers. You, you you've got a offensive line who, if everyone is healthy between Decker Ragnow Sewell and the guards, like is probably one of the better offensive lines out there. What, like, I don't know if there's an excuse for, for Jared Goff to really, bomb out but at the same time like i don't know i'm looking at a bunch of these mock drafts here that have the lions going third in 2023 and taking a quarterback so i'm trying to parse all of that together with the optimism and i mean part of that optimism is probably an optimism that they're building in the right way and it's not just about 2022 because clearly like as much as people are optimistic they also think the Lions are destined to take a quarterback at the top of the next draft. And Jared, and thus Jared Goff probably not playing well enough to stave off questions about whether or not he's a bridge quarterback or long term. Yeah, Jared Goff is the Ross Geller of NFL quarterbacks. I don't that that that's going over my head. You're gonna have to explain that one. Real quick. Ross Geller, David Schwimmer, nominated for a primetime Emmy, never won one. The only reason that people were interested in Ross on Friends was because he was attached to Jennifer Aniston. So, like, the only real reason that people are excited about Jared Goff is because he's got J-Mo with him now. He's got DJ Shark. He's got a bunch of other supporting actors that make him an interesting buy-in. We got friends. We got friends analogies. We got friends analysis here. Okay. Well, my my wife, my wife is pregnant and she has control of the television right now. And it's her favorite (laughs) show. So that's, that's why I'm here. Smart. Uh, I I find that I find the Jared Goff conversation right now, very interesting because there are some people that are, that will never change on on Jared Goff. He he's, he's in both directions, in both both directions. Yes. He's irredeemable to some which I understand he's, he's put a lot of bad tape out there for the past three years. And then there are some that will make every single excuse for the guy 
for why he didn't succeed in Los Angeles under the sun. And that's where I, I can't go to. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not someone who's not giving Jared Goff a chance, but the biggest knock on him for me is he had everything set up for him in Los Angeles those last two years. I know one year his offensive line wasn't great, but he's always had weapons in Los Angeles. Uh, he's always had a really good defense to give him the ball in good field position, things like that. And the common excuse then is, well, Sean McVay ruined him mentally. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like, if, if, if he can't overcome that sort of mental adversity, how, how are you going to succeed here? Like, I know you're going to have a coaching staff that really supports you here and gives you a bunch of positive reinforcement, but I, I just don't buy that he would have been a great quarterback if he had a few more pats on the back from Sean McVay. Don't buy that at all. Yeah, I, I, I don't buy that either. And if, if you have a starting quarterback who's, um, you know, emotionally fragile in, in that respect, then I, I don't think that he would endear himself to somebody like Dan Campbell. Um, he definitely wouldn't endear himself um, with the fans in Ford Field either who love the Bronx cheers. And and I think to the, the point, like I, I totally agree with you guys in the sunset, like there are people who are huge detractors of golf. There are people who think he can be the guy who leads this team to the promised land. Like where is everybody who was totally okay with him being the bridge quarterback that everybody said he was going to be from jump street. Like those people, I feel like got off the tracks and like went to the, the opposing <laughs> sides. Like those people in the middle don't really exist a whole lot anymore. Like I, I don't see those people a whole lot, but I think that's due large in part to like expectations. Like we're talking about the Kool-Aid drinking, like expectations are rising. So I think that like people are starting to buy in on golf and the recency bias is kind of kicked in too, to, to the point that we're making about his play down the stretch. Right. And that, that helped if the season was a great polarizing element to that too, right? The first half of the season, he was unbearably bad. He couldn't throw the ball past the, you know, past the line of scrimmage at all. And second he half of the season. He couldn't put a whole game together. He, he couldn't could, put a whole game together. It was like, okay, he, he played good in the fourth quarter versus San Francisco when they were down a ton of points. Oh, he had a good Monday night football for the first, first half, half against the Green Bay Packers. Like, it was like, okay, when is he going to put it all together? And then by Halloween, it was like, okay, this guy is like, Lions need to move on from him. But then yeah. he told, I mean, Dumb and dumb. He totally redeemed himself. Then, right? then he gets Josh Reynolds. Then he figures out Amon Ross St. Brown exists. And suddenly like he's putting games together, like not, ben not Johnson, great baby. games. Ben Johnson. Yeah. Like, well, and maybe, yeah, and, and again, that's, that's part of it too. It's about how much was on Anthony Lynn planning him out. Right? right. And how much was it on Dan Campbell taking over play calling and getting comfortable with that? Like once again, the excuses are showing up for Jared Goff. I, I guess my question then is like, what do you guys think his, ceiling is can he be a top 10 quarterback in this league or is it is like 14 15 13 that range more realistic for him and and maybe even going taking that further like is that enough to to win football games to win more than just football games to win playoff games if if you have the 13th 14th here's here's the thing here's the thing i i just watched jimmy garoppolo in the nfc championship sure yeah like and I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is leagues better than, than Jared Goff. I think he's better That's than fair. Jared Goff, but it's not by magnitudes, right? Like they're, they're in the same solar system. I mean, you we put, probably even put Ryan Tannehill in that solar system. Teams are winning with not top flight quarterbacks. 
They're not winning not, at not all. Yeah, not say, championships. Not championships. But they're, I mean, the Lions would love to be doing what the Titans and San Francisco sure. are doing <laughs> right now. And well, and then this brings us all back to like the conversations about Alex Smith, like brought the Chiefs pretty far. They were winning a lot of games. And then once they needed that final thing, they found Patrick Mahomes and that took them that step further. Maybe, maybe that's it. And maybe, maybe Jared Goff sticks around more than one year until the lines are ready because they're not, they're not ready to, to be like a division winner and conference championship appearer. Um, they're not there yet. So maybe, maybe we get two more years of golf and then boom, that's when they, they take the trigger and, and, and go for a, an elite tier quarterback. Cause I think we can mostly all agree here, at least elite tier is not in the future for Jared Goff. No. And, and that's where I want to take the conversation is to the point that Jared Goff, in order for him to be the best version of himself is for him to be a very, very turnover conscious quarterback. Like he needs to make sure that he doesn't make mistakes that puts this defense in tough spots. Like I think this defense needs to be playing on the other side of the field in order for them to be successful. Like I think last season you go back to a lot of the mistakes and a lot of the downfalls in, in lions games. And I think that they can be directly traced back to, okay, Jared Goff made a turnover. Jared Goff, you know, fumbled the ball. Jared Goff threw an interception that was super costly I think that he needs to be turnover adverse and he needs to really focus in on keeping the football, you know, on the other side of the field, if not, if they're not scoring points and needs to be putting the defense into beneficial situations because the defense is, is clearly still the weak link to this team. It is. And I think it's why they're going to lose some games, but also Jared Goff just needs to be to your point, Brian, consistent. Like he, he had some consistent games near the end of the year, but I think a lot of people are expecting that performance to go across the entire season. He's just not, he just hasn't really for many of his years been consistent period. Like we will get some good stretches out of him, but then there will be those turnover, those turnover worthy plays out of him, even when he was with the Rams Uh, over under, I think Jeremy, you, you quoted this, it's set at six wins right now. Yeah. Is there a hook anywhere there? Not not at the moment, at least even on six. Yeah. So like that's, that's kind of where DraftKings is setting it here is uh, six wins. And again, most mock drafts I've seen saying the lions picking number three, which uh, if I remember, that's based on Super Bowl odds. Is that, is that based on Super Bowl odds? Yeah. Almost everyone does it based on Super Bowl odds. So that's not, that's not an an opinion based uh, rankings. Cause I think, I think national media would, would put them higher. I think national media might might put them around 10 or 12 or, or 13. Well, I just, just, rem- to, just, just to remind people, I think, what was it? Picking third this year meant four wins. Three and a half. Three. No, I mean the lions had three and a half at two. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. But yes, you would be right. Yeah. If a team had four wins or more like you, but still yeah. I was, I was thinking as low as you could go, but yeah. Right. I don't know, man. I, can I ask a question based yes. on that over under? Yes. Do they have to hit the over or, okay. Does that bet either need to be nulled by hitting six exactly or go over in you order for pu- this season to be successful? You need to go over or push. You need to yes. over or push. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do believe that. Yeah. I, I think, I think there will be some shaken belief in this regime if they don't get at least six wins this year. And, I and think, rightfully so. Like I, I know, I know we all just kind of bought into the wet blanketing and that, that Jared Goff discussion. But 
they're they're they should be better on offense and they they played pretty well down the stretch. They should be better on defense. I I still think not great. And listen, I there there were enough close games where they could have won and I know that's a dangerous game to play because they could have lost a, a couple extra games too. But they could have been a 4 or 5 win team last year and there's enough roster turnover and and general improvement that you should expect from from players that are that are year two not only year two in the nfl but guys that are year two of this regime these, these schemes that six wins should be at least it should Almost be the floor. expected right it, six wins should be expected from from the coaching staff that should be the floor of the expectations the only thing i could see going lower is maybe five wins factoring in injuries and or about how much and i know we don't want to say the word and i don't think this you know the coaching staff really wants to but Brad Holmes was doing a little bit of tanking with, you know, the roster. What, what Ryan, like you're shaking your head. No, no tanking. You, I'm just talking like, man, the quarterback is such a big need though. Like if, yeah, if they, there if isn't, not, there isn't one, there isn't one worth taking at the top of the draft. Is this where we'll you're going to go? You're so spited from <laughs> that you're going to out of hand dismiss CJ Stroud and Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. And if, if, if the lion season got to that point, I would start up a hashtag. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. We're, well, let's put a pin in that. Uh, I want to look ahead to mini camp, rookie mini camps coming up. Schedule release is on uh, Thursday as well. We all, we already know who the lions are playing. It's just a matter of when they're playing. So we'll wrap up the show talking about what we expect previewing the coming week here on the pride of Detroit POD cast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pride to Detroit POD cast wrapping up here as we dive into rookie minicamp. Are you excited for rookie minicamp, guys? Are you excited for rookie minicamp? Are you excited for no pads? But we get to see the rookies in action as we haven't just spent like the entire draft season looking at, at the guys who are becoming rookies. But are you excited? No, no, legitimately. I, I, I'm kind of excited for it. I, I want to see these guys in action. Well, you won't get to. I will. <laughs> you, you will. I know. I will get to. And yeah, I will I, get to live vicariously. Yes. Through. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get one day of the three days to the open to the media. And I didn't get to go last year. I was on my, my one rare vacation. So part of me is excited just for that, but you know, we didn't get rookie minicamp during the, the Patricia era at all. So it'll be new to me. And yeah, like, how can you not be excited to see some rookies play football, even if it's padless, like they're, they're going to go through some serious football, like drills, they'll do like seven on sevens and things like that. So, um, unfortunately, you know, obviously we, we probably won't see a couple of them. We won't see Jameson and, and we won't see uh, Mitchell, um, but we, we might get some of our initial questions about this class answered. Um, my, my, my biggest questions being where the hell are you going to play James Houston? 
is he going to be an edge? Is he going to be a linebacker? Are you going to try him at both? Um, kind of the same question with, with uh, Josh Pascal, right? Is he going to be mostly an edge guy? Or are you going to slide him in a bunch inside or both probably going to be both there. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to make sweeping judgments about an entire rookie class based on a 90 second pre- or 90 minute practice, but just to see them out there, you know, I know everyone gets excited about Jersey numbers. We'll get Jersey numbers. Finally. Um, these guys will be officially under contract. So all that sort of stuff is exciting. I, I, and, and then we'll also get to talk to a bunch of them too, and, and hopefully have them in a little bit more of a loose setting and hopefully Jameson Williams, if he's even there, you know, he won't look so upset. So people think he doesn't want to be here. Like, put all that crap to bed because it's not, you know, his second hour awake after 48 hours of just craziness in his life. So, yeah, I don't know that again, I, I don't want to pull too much from rookie minicamp when, when it's not going to be a ton out there, but it'll be a nice kind of like dipping of your toe into the, the rookie class. And I'm excited to see Mather play some, some football adjacent stuff. I, I feel like with rookie minicamp, because there are no pads, it primarily caters to the skill positions, right? So it's kind of a bummer that like there is going to be no JMO, there is going to be no James Mitchell, especially because I mean those two guys could have the opportunity. Like I mean, you remember the Kenny Galladay coming out party during rookie mini camp? Like everybody was like, "Oh, this guy might have it." Like, um, and you know, I it it doesn't really move the meter for me a whole bunch. Right. Like it's, I, I guess it's, it's some football, like it's a nice little hit of football. Um, but like, it's nothing to give you any sustained kind of like hopium going into, you know, later, later in the uh, off season, as we head towards the doldrums. Especially as you know, you guys, you guys hit on like most of what we're talking about is probably going to be defensive players playing. And a lot of what we're going to be looking for is just how they're, what position some of them are going to be playing at. I I'd like to say I'm excited to see Aiden Hutchinson. I'm I'm kind of curious just what his motor is going to look like, but like, man, I, it is a lot of just wondering where, yeah. I mean, Jeremy, you said it like, where are they going to play James Houston? Um, Josh Pascal, how much is going to be kicked inside for defensive tackle? Where, where are you going to really play chase Lucas? What kind of drills are going to really be there for that? But I think it's a good time to just get scouting a lot of them because like outside of Hutchinson and Williams, there's still a lot of guys here that I just don't know too much on. I can go back and watch the tape on Kirby Joseph or Josh Pascal, but like, it's not, we, they, they weren't really the marquee guys from the draft. So there wasn't really a lot of sizzle reel on them. And I, I, I don't know. Do, do you know, Jeremy, do we know how many of the UDFAs are going to be at rookie minicamp as well? Or I, I think all of them, like that's, that's all of the them? plan. Like, I mean, you need, yeah. you need to have people there. You need to have right. a guy play quarterback. You need to have like, there, there's also a significant amount of tryouts that will be there that we probably don't even know of yet. Um, just because they need bodies there. Right. And, and, and I think that's something we're also going to have to kind of keep in mind. Like if Aiden Hutchinson is dominant in rookie minicamp, well, yeah, of course he is like, who, yeah, he's playing who's he going <laughs> up against? Um, but I guess, I guess the other guy, that I'm, I'm maybe really intrigued to see is, is Malcolm Rodriguez for, for a couple of reasons. One, we didn't get to talk to him on draft night. Um, it's my understanding that, that he was at his grandmother's funeral when he got drafted. So obviously not, not a, a time to go on a, a, a draft call with the, the Detroit media. Um, but also like, I want to see what everyone's so excited about Malcolm Rich Rod- Rodriguez about. Like, I want to see what everyone else, um, you know, I want to see the strength. That, that he shows in putting up a ridiculous amount of reps and a former wrestler. And 
Um, again, we'll, we'll have to pull pull back our expectations based on performance because they are going against other undrafted rookies. And, and sometimes they put first year or second year players in there in the mix as well. Um, but, but I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he looks like out there because uh, I do think he's a, almost a lock for the, the, the roster, but I want to see if I see some of the starting potential linebacker down the road that, that a lot of people seem to think he's capable of. Cause I just haven't seen it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I mean by like, we haven't got sizzle reel on some of these guys. Like I, I I've heard good things about James Houston, but I really want to see James Houston in action, cutting on yes. some coverages. Oh man. He's or, or like I, I, rushing, I'm, I'm rushing the edge or whatever. Man. I'm so excited for our first bite on him next week, this week, I should say, yeah. because he like, he's the guy, he's the, the latest round draft pick where I'm just like this. I don't, I want to, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but this mm-hmm. is a guy who might have some really interesting, really good traits that could be that like diamond in the rough sixth round pick. Brian, you got any guys you're keeping your eye on here or are you, uh, you good with minicamp? I'm, I'm pretty much disinterested in it. Like it's not <laughs> anything that, like I said, it doesn't move the needle for me all that well, much. Like, yeah, and I, it is, I mean, if we you're are not getting there watching it. Like I, I can see why it's not that exciting to you. Right. Yeah. It's not like I'm not going to be glued to tweet deck and be like, Oh man, I can't wait for the next tweet that comes out about Josh Pascal. It does help add to the Kool-Aid though. If we get to hear that, like, I don't know, James Houston gets a pretty big sack or beats someone in, or, you know, beats, beats a, you know, a tackle or something. Like it's going to add to the Kool-Aid we talked about last segment. Um, the other thing that I have here that we're previewing is talking about things we really want to preview as we enter the not quite doldrums, but you can tell we're definitely uh, scraping the barrel here. The NFL schedule is due out on Thursday, which uh, to be, to be granted the, the NFL has for a while now drip fed us the schedule in various ways. We already know, a lot of the ESPN Monday night football games, including the double header. Uh, We know the international games have been announced. We're going to have Seahawks and Buccaneers in Munich, which I really want to go to. I would really love the lions get a Munich game at some point. Uh, We've got the London games and we know all of the games, the lions are playing. We, we know all of the teams they pulled. We know that their home schedule is divisional Eagles, Commanders, I'm getting used to that name still, Bills, Dolphins, Jaguars, Seahawks. We know their away games are Cowboys, Giants, Jets, Patriots, Panthers, two games in that life. So, like, we, we know all of these. It's just a matter of when. So, the way I look at the schedule release is, like, I want to know three things. One, I want to know where the bye week is because that feels like the most important to the team about when the Lions are going to get their rest. In many past years, it's either come early or come late. Last year, it was kind of really good in the middle of the middle of the season. Yeah. And um, I want to know who's playing on Thanksgiving because I'm a Thanksgiving hog. And I want to know when the Lions are playing at Lambeau because they've gotten lucky so far about playing early in the season at Lambeau for the last few years. But uh, I'm not if, it, if it's going to be late season, that's going to be cold. I'm not going to feel that. So, like, is there anything you guys are looking for the schedule? I mean, for me, part of the intrigue is always just gauging how popular the lines are by how many national nationally televised games they get. Um, they'll, they'll obviously have the Thanksgiving game. Are they going to have any other ones? They, I, if I'm not mistaken, they didn't have any other ones last year. Um, and so they had yeah, like a late green Bay, slate Fox game Monday yeah. night. Oh, they did it. You're right. They, they, they had Monday night. Bay. That's right. They yeah. had a green Bay Monday night game. That's correct. Uh, in, in week two. Um, I feel like, I don't, I don't know. 
I don't know if the optimism had hit the national level in time enough for, for them to maybe get two or three nationally televised games, but I think they'll get at least one. And they I'm also had, they also had two late games, uh, schedules, uh, late game Fox games as well. Like they're actually right. three, I think, but that's just, they, being, they had the Rams game, right? Yeah. That's generally just for being on the West coast though. That's not, that's yeah. not putting in a prime time position. You're on the West mm-hmm. coast. You, you get the later slate of games. Right. Uh, uh but yeah, I, I'd like a home one, right? Because I, I do feel like it's been a while since we've had a really rowdy, Ford field crowd and with optimism as high as it is right now, getting an early, like if we could get a early in the Sunday season, night game, right. early season primetime game in Ford field, that would be really, really cool. And, and yeah, I, I miss excited Ford field. It's, it's a bit fascinating. Cause like the, the away opponents, not, not some of the greatest, like bills is probably the best. I mean, the best out of division home opponent you get for Ford field. The others, Commanders, Eagles, Dolphins, Jaguars, Seahawks. Uh, I, I'll. I mean, that that doesn't seem too bad of a home slate. Like those seem like some teams that are kind of on the down. But Ryan, the last nationally televised primetime game I can remember being at home was against the Jets. The season opener. Please don't do this to me. Please don't do this to I'm, me. Ford Field was rocking for about a minute and a half. <laughs> I miss Quandre you, Diggs. I miss Quandre Diggs. Bring that up. Why are you going to hurt us like this? Sorry. Um, but yeah, I you know I I am most intrigued to to kind of see who they're playing on Thanksgiving, and you know Aiden Hutchinson is really juiced about playing in the NFC North because he's uh, he's you know acclimated to the weather as he said. Um, even and, though he's uh, in a dome, yeah, Just taking cheap shots. How about I, I think someone in, in, our, in our live chat suggested this week one Sunday night football, Aiden Hutchinson versus Trevon Walker in Ford Field? Yeah, do it. Okay, you can sell that, right? You can sell that one versus two. Yeah, there we go. Make, make me the schedule maker, NFL. I got this. I don't know if I put that on Sunday night, but what's your storyline for week two? Hmm. Do the Lions, wait, do the the Lions play the, do they play the Dolphins or no? They, they do. do. Yes. At home. Tua versus JMO, his former team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> really stretching it here. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. But do you guys. think, do you think we're going to get back to, do you think we're going to get back to back weeks at MetLife stadium, giants and jets? I hope not. Having like Lions just spend a week in in New Jersey, trying the mustard For, Detroit pizza from Trenton. Oh God, just mentioning the word like that—that that is the Jets game of food. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. The the other kind of intriguing thing about the schedule, and some I don't remember who revealed it last week, was that the Lions travel fewer, the, the second fewest miles of any other team. Basically, they're, they're, the furthest they go out west is Dallas. The furthest south they go is Carolina. Everything yeah. else is kind of in that northeast area. Like last year, you had, they pulled a lot of teams from the wet, from the NFC and AFC West. They traveled to Seattle. They traveled to Denver. They traveled to Los Angeles. This year, I think... They get the NFC they get, East and the AFC North? AFC uh, South. No, not the South. Uh, yeah, AFC North, because they get Bills, Patriots, Jets... 
Oh, that's East. And Dolphins. So, that's the and, East. so yeah, they get I'm the NFC East and the AFC East. So yep. and they get one. Well, they get one team from Western Division, and that's Seattle, and they're playing them at home. There you go. So uh, real quick, I have a a question that brings us back to Kool Aid, but also I'm going to guise it up as a uh, schedule question. How many games do you think they win against NFC North opponents? What do you think their record is in the in the NFC North? Three and three. Mm. God, you're so boring. <laughs> I mean, to, to, to be fair to him, they're Just scheduled. Sit on the fence over here. I know. Yeah, three Mr. and three, baby. <laughs> to, to be fair, three and that's three. That's your with... next shirt. That's the next questionable tease sweatshirt. Oh, Wet blanket God. on the front, fence sitter <laughs> on the back. Yeah. 500. 500. To be fair, considering how the last years have gone against the NFC North, Three and three would be an improvement. Four and two. Book it. Book so it. they're they're acing everyone but the Packers. Or no, like they're, they're gonna they're gonna split with the Packers. Really? Split yeah. with all three. Three and three. <laughs> I refuse to take a split <laughs> with the Bears. Get Jeff Fisher off my podcast. Well, Jeff Fisher can't go 500 now in the USFL. He can? I don't think he can. He, I think he took another loss. I thought, I don't know. How many games did they play? Eight or six? I thought they, they played play 10. They played 10. Oh, they, they haven't lost. You're not telling me they've lost six games already. I'm pulling up their schedule right they're, now. They're like one in three, I think. One oh, yeah, they, they, are, they are one in three. They are one in three, and they play uh, one, two, three, four, five, six more games. Oh, plenty of time to get back to five and five. The way they're playing, I'm not sure, man. No, they won't. They're bad. Paxton Lynch had a good quarter, maybe? And also Jeff Jeff Fisher is being a coward, so. Wow. How are they so bad? They had the number one overall pick. (laughs) All right. (laughs) A team team playing in Alabama decided to go with the Homer Michigan pick of Shea Patterson. Like idiots. We are so deep in the NFL offseason that we're talking USFL football. Somehow, I didn't even have it on this. I didn't even have it on the rundown. I, I'm the one who would put USFL on here, and this got invoked without my without my knowledge. Like it, it's my fault too. I had to. I, I had to invoke <laughs> Jeff Fisher. It's I'm an idiot. My mustache, is, my mustache is gone. You can't call me Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher cosplay for November. Uh, Jeff Fisher cosplay would be pretty cool. Just like you right, need to great up. We have now 100% hit the bottom. So it's time to say goodbye. Thank you, everyone, as always, for the support for the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, we covered a lot today. We'll get this podcast out to you as soon as possible. Uh, let's see here. We're going to have an interview on First Bite to try to cover James Houston this Wednesday? week. Yep. Uh, Thursday, Thursday night, we will have a reaction for you. On the schedule, be very short. I don't know if we'll do a stream for it or not. I've got to talk with Jeremy about that, but that will be out. And um, Green Room yeah. or Spotify Live. Spotify Saturday Live. Green oh, not the Saturday. Room, room. Not the Saturday. Locker Room. Not the not. Saturday because of Rookie Minicamp. No Green Room this week. So expect the, um, or live, excuse me. No, yeah. no Spotify Live this week. God, this is going to take forever. But Secret Podcast coming back to fill that time. And also, in case you didn't see it, I re-upped our Aiden Hutchinson interview from Super Bowl uh, 
51 or 61. What 50, 56. What I can't read Roman numerals. Super Bowl 2022. 2022. Yes, we did. People have been telling us, hey, have you seen the Aiden Hutchins interview with PFF? You seen the Aiden Hutchins interview with with SB Nation? We got NFL show. We had him first, guys. We had we had the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross leads. It's right there for you. All right. That's enough. Let's get out of here. I'm Chris Perfett. He's Jeremy Reisman. He's Ryan Matthews. And as always, thank you, Gru and them, in the words of Eminem. Sorry. We'll see you star side. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, mom. (laughs) No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.